Welcome back to Chit Talk, where we talk about really good shit. My name is Annika. And my name is Rithu. Follow us on our socials, here to Chit Talk and Instagram for sneak previews, audio clips, and more. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. This is a trigger warning for our listeners. This episode will contain discussions of COVID-19, the impacts of the pandemic, such as isolation and grief, and briefly touching on mental health issues. We want to create a safe space for our listeners. So if you are feeling overwhelmed by the news and recent events, or just need a break from all the noise, please feel free to skip this episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Chit Talk. We're so excited and honored to have a special guest on board this week of our podcast. We've got Sheldon Lynn, who has recently been on the Great Canadian Baking Show and who has accomplished so many incredible things on the fly. We'll be discussing how to balance your passions and creativity while pursuing a job. So thank you so much for being here today, Sheldon. We're so excited to learn more about you and get to know you, hear about your experiences on the Great Canadian Baking Show and your other pursuits on the side as well as I've heard from Rithu, that they're very exciting <laughs> as well. So I'm I'm so thrilled to get to know you more. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm absolutely beyond thrilled to be here. And yeah, to talk about the baking show, about <laughs> yeah, my wide array <laughs> of things that I get into, accidentally mostly. Then um, yeah. Awesome. Um, so it's so funny, Sheldon. Like I, we haven't connected in a very long time. I think it's been maybe three or four years, probably back when we were at UBC. But, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when I first told Annika about you being on the Great Canadian Baking Show, I was like, my my friend from like forever ago, who I haven't talked to in forever is on the Great Canadian (laughs) Baking Show. (laughs) And I was like, and then I started recounting the story of how we met to Annika. And I don't remember, I don't remember exactly what that night entailed because I was a little intoxicated. Um, little. A, a, a little. <laughs> <laughs> I would beg to differ. It was just oh, a slight bit more than just a little. Okay. Understatement. <laughs> okay. Um, so Sheldon, um, why don't you tell me your side of the story? Because all mm-hmm. I remember is that one night we were like, I think I was, I went to a frat party with a bunch of friends and I was trying to get home after a night out and I was waiting for what, what's that campus? Like, you know, the people that walk you safe walk, right? Oh, yeah, something um, like that. Mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. I was waiting for them and then they were taking forever. And then I stopped you and I was like, Hey, are you walking to Vanier? <laughs> and I don't, I don't even remember if you <laughs> lived at Vanier. I'm sure you didn't. Or did mm-hmm. you? We, I did, did actually. We okay. did, but we were like in completely different buildings. Um, yeah. And I and- was like, um, can you please walk me? <laughs> and, and then you're Safety like, yeah, first. sure. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I can do that for you. And then that's all I remember. But I remember you being so sweet and so Aww. kind in walking me home. What do you remember? Um, I remember, I think I was with my friend Christian. Okay. I think it was two of us, maybe. Yeah, I don't like fully recall the part you, about you asking me to walk you home. What I do <laughs> remember is somehow suddenly there was Rithu in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could honestly say, say the exact same thing about me. Right? Suddenly she was just there in my life. I don't know how that happened, but she just emerged. 
<laughs> exactly emerged a ball of energy exactly. and amazing personality yeah. that she is yeah. and I just remembered that um yeah I think you wanted to get back to your dorm but I also seem to remember that you really really wanted to sh- wanted to show me and Christian your shoes <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> did I I think so. I don't remember yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> they nice to... at least? I, I think they were. I think they yeah, were Yeah, I think nice. they were. And then I think we went back to your dorm and you showed us your shoes. <laughs> and then you were just so drunk. And um, we like took you back to your room. And then Emily Peck yes. like jumped yeah. in and she was like, who are you? What are you What are you doing with Ruthu? Because she, like, you know, she was like Mother Goose trying to yeah, protect totally. you. Like, yeah. from these two random strangers who are now suddenly in your room. <laughs> Looking we were at your just shoes. there to look at your shoes, exactly. Yeah, and you know what? Um, and we've just had a kindred connection ever since. Exactly, yeah. Um, and honestly, like, with me just randomly appearing in Annika's life, that's so true. We knew each other through Greek life. And then um, Annika and I noticed that we had like two classes back to back and a huge three hour break in between our classes. And then I and suddenly just... she just appeared at my place as well. And no, I'm serious. She just appeared and she just takes naps on my couches. So, you know, she could be showing shoes. She could be just taking random naps and yep. people's I mean, couches. It just what else is next? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Now it's a podcast. Now yep. I just rope you both into a podcast. Exactly. But I feel like most, like the most wonderful friendships come from like the most bizarre circumstances. So. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And like, it's just like those, it's just so weird. Cause like, if those like weird coincidental moments didn't happen, like your like lives would just not cross paths mm-hmm. and like absolutely they would just go in completely different directions but yeah. really like it just took that one chance encounter and then yeah. suddenly your paths are tied if not together for that one moment but like intertwined now for ever <laughs> yeah oh that's creepy See, Annika, but- <laughs> if, I, if i didn't if i didn't nap at your apartment we wouldn't have this podcast and if i wasn't drunkenly approaching sheldon <laughs> he wouldn't be on this episode <laughs> exactly so you know <laughs> Things happen for a reason, right? It's funny how <laughs> things happen like that. <laughs> um, so, you know, first things first, super cool that you got on the Great Canadian Baking Show. Yes, like, that's amazing. It's so awesome. Like, I have watched every season of the Great Canadian Baking Show. Every single I'm guilty. one. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I've stalked, I had to stalk you immediately on Instagram. <laughs> and I, I love cooking. I think I've loved cooking even more now that we're in quarantine because I think I have a newfound appreciation for cooking and and making meals for myself and making it healthy and good and nourishing and and I Mm. had to take a look at your Instagram and it's just so the food just looks so scrumptious and I'm like well I need to learn how to do that and I think that's so inspiring as well um but I just want to know a little bit more about how you entered the great Canadian baking show so how did you apply what was the process like were you excited yeah honestly it's so interesting that you talk about particularly being drawn to food even more so because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. because that is like exactly me I had baked casually for years just like making the occasional brownie or cookie or whatever uh but I didn't really start seriously baking until the beginning of the pandemic so it was just that like having so much time 
and like the uncertainty and I guess what drew me to it at first it was sourdough that I was really into and I guess sourdough just has such a rhythm to it that your day is kind of tied around the sourdough because you have to give it uh, like love and care over time and stretches and folds and like really judge it and for me it was just a source of comfort um, during some really uncertain times and yeah so I didn't really start baking until the basically like pandemic set in and it was like maybe three months of baking seriously um Mm -hmm. when like we had been watching the baking show Uh, my boyfriend and I had been watching the baking show and then suddenly um Romy who is a part of my drag family (laughs) um like they sent me a message with a post about auditioning for the um baking show and they were like you should apply and I was like, okay, (laughs) why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I'm not doing much right now. I didn't really think much of it. I didn't really think that I would be cast really because I didn't have that much baking experience. I had a lot of love for it and I'm Mm -hmm. such a nerd in like, you know, what makes me love software and technology, breaking things down and really understanding it. So I was really fascinated by that part of baking and that kind of gave me a good basis I guess and they I guess the casting people or the casting producers saw something that they liked something that was compelling I guess and we just somehow ended up on the show and yeah it was (laughs) when I finally got the call that I was going to be cast on the season that I was like oh shit (laughs) wait (laughs) what did I just get myself into (laughs) yeah Yeah. I can't back out um (laughs) Well, guess we're doing this. <laughs> How exciting! And uh, I'm curious did you watch Did you watch a lot of the Great Canadian Baking Show before you went on? Um, yeah. So I honestly didn't really start watching the show again until like the beginning of 2020, basically, like coinciding with the pandemic and needing comfort, which is yeah. kind of like what I hear from a lot of people um, after you know people having dialogues with me after watching the show that is has been just a source of comfort for them Mm -hmm. um especially you know during this pandemic and being at home and I guess to see a group of people who really love something getting to do what they love and not really for a prize or anything because there isn't a real prize for the show Mm -hmm. like we are all there for our love of baking and I guess like there's something comforting in seeing that yeah that's awesome did you did you have any like baking secrets that you can share with us like from the uh the baking show um baking secrets and tricks tips and tricks um number one measure things by weight don't use cups or whatever especially for flour use weight it is always consistent no matter what otherwise like I think I've done an experiment that if you measure like flour because there's Mm -hmm. so many ways to measure flour and flour is a powder that is compressible so if Mm -hmm. you pack it into the cup and then you scrape it and you measure it it can vary by like 40 grams whoa like the weight of a cup and that like it's like almost like 30 percent of what a cup weighs and that will really really drastically change how your recipe turns out so that's my number one like if anyone if you're serious about baking get a scale and do it by Mm -hmm. weight and the scale is really good for a lot of other stuff as well like I don't know like portion control yeah (laughs) really good for that that's what I use it for that's what I use it for exactly yeah (laughs) because I'm so bad at that I'll see food I'm like yeah 
that's one portion. It's like five. I'm like, oh, that's a that's a handful of pasta, and just like put it into the pot right away. Exactly, it's this much. <laughs> it's like a whole two handfuls, exactly. But yeah, I think that's really good to know, just because I I'm a very inconsistent baker, so mm-hmm. I especially during the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like everyone was into banana bread. I loved mm. making banana bread, you know, putting in some, um, putting some like Baileys in there as well, mixing it up and like that putting some like delicious. chocolate chips. It was so good. And oh that sort gosh. of like trickled off a little bit. Cause I think, you know, we're not baking as much anymore. Like we're not losing the amount of flour in grocery stores anymore. <laughs> um, and then I tried to pick it up again just recently. So I tried to make some pancakes, but they're always very inconsistent. So I want to know like if there's any difference between consistencies or like adding too much flour or too much egg. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, if there's any sort of tips that new bakers, you know, should know prior into, into baking a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think in terms of like varying consistency, there will be differences in eggs, like maybe like by five gram. But again, it won't matter as much. 40 grams in a cup of flour like that is such a huge variability so yeah yeah, number one scale number two temperature really matters at the beginning of when I started baking I was like I don't want to have room temperature eggs I don't have the time to set (laughs) out my eggs and wait for it to come to room temperature I don't have time time to heat up my milk like I'll just put it all together like what does it matter but if you think about it baking is chemistry Mm -hmm. and in order to create cohesive emulsions that we're trying to trying to create when creating like a cake batter it really matters the temperature at which things are combined in. And just, I think if you're following a good recipe, trust the recipe. Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I have to keep that in mind when I make <laughs> some more pancakes. They turned out really <laughs> not so great. Really? So <laughs> the, the consistency was just like completely off. It was like mush, but. um. Oh no. Yeah. Um, so- I have a great pancake recipe on my Instagram Ooh. profile. If you scroll down a little. I'll um, have to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think on your on your Instagram you posted mm-hmm. like do you like fluffy pancakes or like diner style pancakes? I'm all Ooh. for the diner style. Okay, Thank all you. yes, diner yes. style pancakes. Like fluffy fluffy pancakes have its time and place, but every mm-hmm. single time, hands down, it's the it's the diner pancakes. Mm-hmm. I can't argue that. This I validate your friends. opinion. <laughs> yeah, this is why we are friends. Yeah, like fluffy pancakes are good, but they are like a complete separate thing. Like when mm-hmm. I want pancakes, I want like slightly chewy, like fluffy still. Yeah. And like not dense or rubbery, but like slightly chewy. There's a pull, like comforting, you know? Yeah. Like I and don't like want nurturing. fancy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nurturing. And like, it just reminds you of every pancake that you've ever eaten, like whether good or bad, just, you know, it's in that realm as opposed to like the fancy light souffle, like bougie version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like Annika, I, I wish I was as inconsistent as you are. Like, I just am an absolute shite baker. Like I'm so, so I'm, I'm so bad at baking, but I make up for it in cooking Same. Um, Same. because like with, with cooking, I find at least there's like a little bit of room for play. Whereas mm-hmm. like with baking, it's so, like you said, it's chemistry. You have to be so precise about so many things in order to get that, like perfect final texture and like Mm -hmm. your girl don't have patience for that (laughs) no and like if I put too much flour too much egg or too much like milk I don't know where I went wrong yeah except for like when it's with cooking you just add like a little bit more oil add a little bit more like salt and stuff you can always add to it but there's no going back if you (laughs) messed up in baking (laughs) at least for me like with with cooking like you can taste as you go and just right Mm. but with baking like you're once that thing is in the oven, you're kind of locked in yep. and you are yeah. just 
beholden to what it turns out like at the end and like so many environmental factors can go into it like the humidity um the right. temperature of the day like sometimes um when we were baking in the great canadian baking show tent we were filming in i think september beginning of september end of august in toronto and oh, no. it was so hot oh no so 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 hot in there and like we were all sweating and you know not only that it affected the consistency of our ingredients right like when you're used to you know room temperature being 22 degrees and now it's 34 I don't know the exact numbers but um Mm, it really changes things like butter melts at 29 degrees celsius so if it's above that your butter is not what you are used to and it completely changes everything else and I guess that's was like I get one of the main challenges of baking in the tent was adapting to baking not only in a kitchen that is not your own but Mm, a kitchen that is in the middle of a field inside of a tent yeah that's that's so interesting so okay I had it figured that it was in a studio somewhere so it could be like Mm -hmm. relatively colder or cool and like room temperature like but you mentioned that it's outdoors how Mm -hmm. how did you cook things outdoor like were there ovens there yeah Um, there are ovens so it's a big tent that's kind of set up in a field and that is just the format that's always been um like part of the baking show since the British version and so the first season of the British version they started out in a tent that would like rove around England and each week they would have like a theme that was tied to whatever place in England they were in and so the tent stuck and yeah, we are like, you know, outside, but really it is inside of a tent, but mm-hmm. still outside really, because yeah. it's not like, you know, you're in a building. It's not air conditioned. Yeah. It's not nope. like, no. you know, <laughs> um, so speaking, speaking of that setting, like, you know, with everything going on, constantly scrambling, having all of these challenges, like I can only imagine that it was so stressful, like, especially because you, you said that you had only just started taking baking seriously maybe like three months when you got the call for the show so like how did you feel when you were on set and working on all of these Mm -hmm. challenges honestly going in I or going in before I kind of started the whole process of preparing and baking the tent I was nervous because I was like I really like this thing now but like if I'm going to be doing it day in day out for the next foreseeable time what if I get sick of it like what if it's not actually my thing and that's kind of always been like a pattern with my like life I guess and all the things that I've been into like I get really into a hobby and then I'm like okay been there done that like I feel really good about like the things I've accomplished I feel good about that and then I'll move on to the next thing and I thought what if baking is kind of the same thing but it turns out that I really love baking Um, (laughs) (laughs) and even doing it like 14 hours a day like every day and waking up super early for like shoot days and staying up super late to practice and tweak recipes I didn't get sick of it and I just thought it was like you know the proofs in the pudding literally because I guess (laughs) that's kind of like baking I don't know Um, the proof is in the pudding like I can do this it's not something that I really love and so yeah like it was such a validating experience in that regard oh my gosh so happy to hear that first of all because Mm -hmm. it's so I I think it's so it's so hard to find a hobby to like stick to um Mm -hmm. and like find that passion for but you know what I'm most curious about is like doing it day in and day out how did you manage to fuel your creativity in that time like how did you keep going because like you Mm -hmm. said it was happening for 
as far as you knew the foreseeable future. So Mm -hmm. how did you keep that sense of wonder when you were in like on the set and on the show? Um, (laughs) I think what really propelled it was a sense of, oh my gosh, like what is happening? What is like just the novelty of it all, but also Mm -hmm. the sheer like stress and adrenaline that is keeping you going um because in the show like you are only as good as your last bake you know they Mm. don't Mm. really care how good you've been but like if you make one big slip up like it could happen at any time and there you go like every like one person goes home every episode and all it takes is like a minor mistake so it's just that like fear I guess but also just like being in that tent was just unreal like there was just so much energy in the air and again like Mm. you're baking with nine other people who are like the best home bakers in Canada and just like that interchange as well um getting to see everyone else's passion and have that inform your own it was just like we all say that it was like baking boot camp or baking day camp it really is like you know you go off to camp and that's you're in like the whole other world that is like removed from your regular life and like this is your life now and you're you you bake like what else are you gonna do because everyone else (laughs) is baking yeah just it was a really great experience and like getting to now have this little family of bakers that we've all met and we're all like in contact and like we will you know if we have baking troubles we'll like post it in our whatsapp group and then like get other people's Aww. feedback or so cute. you know like if we're asking for opinions or running into trouble like it is just super supportive and really is like a family Aww. is there a single like favorite moments of yours from the um great canadian baking show or is there like a favorite dish that you created that you could tell us mm-hmm. oh man favorite moment i really oh, for me it's just like on a personal basis, I really mm. loved getting to tell the story of my family's immigration from Sichuan, China to Vancouver um, through by making a cookie family portrait. And I portrayed, um, you know, like a Vancouver landmark and symbols of Sichuan and got to tell a little bit about, you know, the hardships that my mom went through being a single mom who moved to Canada, not knowing anyone, not speaking a word of the language with two very young children and getting to honor that um, was a really gratifying experience for me. Um, But I also loved Italian week and I created this like floating um, like tensegrity structure, which is like held up by like fishing line, but it looks like it's floating. And like, that was such a cool cohesion of, like the two parts of me I guess that I see the like technical engineer side and also the artistic baker whatever side and like it was just a really good meshing of who I am but yeah it was like this base structure that I built um kind of designed and built with the help of my boyfriend's dad who's like really great at carpentry and then um I like adhered like baked goods to it and super I don't know like they they just Bruno told me that it was the best showstopper that he's seen in four years. Wow. So, wow. Like, that's such a, like, that's, oh my wow. gosh, my heart would have soared at that moment. Yeah. I was just like, oh, oh what? Oh, I didn't <laughs> know how to process it, but I 
was really happy because I think that was the bake that I spent the most time on. I almost gave up several times because I had a vision in my head, but was having trouble, I guess, fully realizing it, especially with the time constraints that we had. Mm -hmm. And I went through so many iterations, like four or five different iterations of like different assortments of baked goods, like how to attach things, like different configurations. And I wanted to stay within like a central theme as well in keeping with the week's theme. And like, it really did come close to being scrapped. And I was going to do something a lot more basic, like a lot of the other bakers, um, a lot of the other bakers kind of used a styrofoam base structure that was solid. Um, And that would have been the easier route and had to have that as a backup, I guess. But I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to do the easy thing. Like, that's just not who I am as a person. I like to make my own life difficult. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I proceeded to do. That's amazing. Um, were there any, I guess, maybe you've already touched on this, but were there um, any obstacles that you faced while achieving your aspirations of becoming a cook and a baker? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest one that I think I face and like everyone faces is just like imposter syndrome and self-doubt being like, am I good enough? Am I supposed to be here? Like, or maybe they made a mistake in casting me, like, I don't have this much experience, blah, 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 blah. Um, And, you know, that's like that internal mantra and like Mm -hmm. that mindset that you can get into. And it's just such a self-defeating mechanism. And I definitely felt that like multiple times um, throughout the process of preparing for the show and being at the show. But then I guess I would just refocus on the things that I the things that I work like I am actually good at mm-hmm. and I think that's a lot of how I've been I guess successful or like leveled up really quick in a lot of the like hobbies that I've pursued mm-hmm. I just see it as it, sure it's one avenue but you need to take your core competency and just kind of extend it and mold it towards this new hobby and like it's not a completely completely new experience but it's really an extension of all of your past experiences and bringing that forward into whatever you are now doing wow i love that that was so yeah. like well that's put. perfect yeah <laughs> yeah and i think it's it's just such a great lens to approach any new interest or like hobby that we have just letting all of your past experiences and your interests and knowledge just inform and support your new pursuit yeah. is like is is such a joyous like concept period mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I guess that's how I've always viewed it and something that I heard like I don't even remember how long ago now I think it was some article that I read but really the gist of it was that like it's really hard to try to be the best in the world at something like say you want to be the best at baking it's really mm-hmm. difficult because there are so many other people who are just amazing at baking because that's mm-hmm. all they do. But when you start to layer all of the things that you are good at, by all the Venn diagrams of like what you are good at and what makes you you start to overlap, that center area is the area where you are the best at being that in the world. You know, like you are the yeah. best for me, like the best baking drag queen software engineer like not (laughs) many other people do that so of course I'm the best at doing that and yeah yeah, it's just all about like overlapping what you are good at and like 
I guess, synthesizing it into, I don't know, something that you love to do. so niche and I think that's so cool <laughs> that was so well put together and um yeah no I, I couldn't agree more and I feel like um especially with the pandemic now just like sort of circling back to your previous point like I feel like a lot more people are diving into their passions now and really trying to um just hone into a hobby and hone into something that they're passionate about more than ever because they have all this free time now too mm -hmm. and it's just I think people are you know, they're choosy with their passions and their creativity, but they're also lacking motivation and strength to pursue it, you know, going forward, even, you know, mm -hmm. as the pandemic, I guess it's not really slowly over just yet, but it appears to be sometimes, you know, in kids speech and stuff. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel <laughs> people need to learn how to hold on to their passions and be patient with it and just, um, just see it through sometimes too. And I yeah. think you've done that so perfectly in so many different avenues that you've done it in, whether it's drag, whether it's, um, you know, baking on the show and, and on your, um, your full-time job as a software engineer. <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I think like if I'm looking for like a central theme and all of that is I actually spend, it seems like I don't like I'm wrapping up very quickly in like a hobby that I'm picking up, but I actually spend a lot of time in like the absorption phase. So I will get kind of obsessed with something and then I will like watch all of the videos possible on YouTube about it because I'm interested in it. And then I'll read all of the articles, I'll read books, but I don't actually like start doing that thing because I'm kind of like scared of failure. Um, but I just collect resources and I like file it away in my head. And then until like one day I'm like, maybe I'll actually do this thing. And then I start doing it and I have already this wealth of knowledge that I feel like helps a lot in like getting over that fear, I guess, of the unknown, because mm -hmm. I already know a lot about the technical side. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Now it's just yeah. like the doing phase, right? Totally. So now yeah, you've like yeah, yeah. grasped all this knowledge and it's really mm -hmm. funny because my boyfriend actually did the same with skiing. And so mm -hmm. during the start of this season, he was a terrible skier. Like he was very frustrated at himself. Like he kept falling all, all over the place. Then he, <laughs> he like was just having a really, really hard time. Um, but then he, you know, looked into, he wasn't reading books about it, but he was looking into like a lot of YouTube videos and then he just pushed himself forward and and now he's doing black diamonds, which is pretty crazy. Oh but I think it's just like <laughs> having that motivation to just learn and having that hunger to learn more about the passions that you're interested in. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think it can take you to good places too. And now he's totally. just like, oh, I want to do jumps. I'm like, okay, you need to slow down a little bit. Like <laughs> just turn it down a notch yeah, just, or two. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, it's so funny that you mentioned YouTube because literally like everything that I do, I learned from YouTube. Like mm -hmm. it is just such a vast wealth Resource. of resources that are free out yeah. there of experts in their domain like putting out content because they're passionate about it and teaching people like everything that I know about drag makeup and like doing the hair and like styling that and like everything was from YouTube like everything that I like knew about photography was from YouTube and so much of my baking knowledge came from YouTube um yeah. so I guess yeah like anyone is starting out on a new hobby just start watching a whole bunch of youtube videos on it and like it might seem like you're just going down a rabbit hole like a waste of time or whatever but like it really isn't because you're just synthesizing all of this information and it will come use 
uh, come in handy down the road. It's like personal research, really. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> YouTube sponsor us. <laughs> I I was this just episode about was to brought say to that. you by YouTube Premium. <laughs> YouTube Premium, the number one way to. I don't know. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> That's my podcast voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so oh my gosh, so many different things. I, I knew, I knew photography, Sheldon, like that's when I first met you. Right. So give us a timeline, like, okay. So when did software development become a thing? When did photography become a thing? When did drag become a thing? And obviously we know about baking. So give us a timeline of what that looked like for you. Oh my gosh. Uh, what did the timeline look like? Um, in terms of (laughs) software development, it was something that, oh my gosh. So well, like out of high school, I did, had no idea what I wanted to do because uh, I'm kind of good at a lot of things. I'm trying to say that without like sounding cocky, but like I kind of <laughs> like am like I'm a, I'm a generalist. I'm not truly excellent at anything, I would say, but I'm really good at a lot of things. And when that happens, like you don't have a true calling, right? And so like there's so many different directions that you could go in. And so, you know, when we met when I was at U- when we were at UBC, I was like in a pre-med path. And I was there for like two years and I dropped out because I was like, wait, I hate this. This isn't what I wanted to do. I was, I'm only doing this to fulfill someone else's dream, not my own, like some expectation of like being a doctor and, you know, all of that. And then I went, after that, I went to art school for a while because I was like, I had always loved art and kind of art is like the underpinning of everything that I do, whether it's photography, baking, drag, all of it is related to art in some way. I was like, why don't I go to art school? Realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I dropped out. (laughs) So yeah, both of those times, like it was really hard to admit to myself that like, this isn't working out. And to take that leap of like, let's set this down and maybe something else will come. Like every time I've like, like those times when I like dropped something and like, was going to move on to something like I didn't have a landing pad I didn't have a plan for what was next so I was just trying to figure it out and then so after dropping out of UBC and then dropping out of art school I was like okay well let me take some time I'm not going to do anything I'm going to work for a bit try to figure my shit out and then I guess just like I circled back to my love of technology as well that I've always loved I remember like teaching myself photoshop in grade four or five i think through library books with a demo cd of photoshop version oh my gosh, seven, like that. in the back <laughs> oh my gosh you know and like stuff like that or like teaching myself html and a little bit mm-hmm. of coding and then i kind of just lost touch with that because i got more immersed into like art and theater and stuff but i got back in touch with that and then went to school and like finished like a comp sci thing and then ended up as a software engineer (laughs) so that's software and then um photography I had always loved photography or wanted to do photography all throughout high school but I couldn't afford a camera because like SLRs and lenses that's really expensive (laughs) ridiculously so and like so I just I could never um I never had the resources to really get into it um professionally but I was obsessed with gaining knowledge about it so like reading books like on Ansel Adams's life or like photo books um and all of that I guess then culminated into me finally getting a camera I was like oh my gosh like I'm unleashed I can do what I want to do (laughs) and uh, yeah I guess that was photography for me and I really loved portrait and fashion photography mainly portrait because I just really liked I don't know connecting with people representing people in that way portrait was my favorite too 
yeah, I've seen yeah. your photos and they're great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so portraits were my thing. I loved photography. But after a while, I guess I just didn't see myself taking it, wanting to take it a step further because like I was getting to like the very ceiling of like what you can do as an amateur photographer who didn't want it to become their life. And then so I was like, I feel good about this collection of art that I made and like my photography journey. I didn't consciously set about to like, okay, I'm not going to do this now, but it just kind of slowly phased out mm. into a more like, you know, casual thing where I do still love taking photos, but it's not like the thing that I do. And then I moved on to drag. <laughs> and with the drag, I had lo always loved makeup and, and doing makeup, especially for theater production in high school and mm -hmm. after as well. And like, I think you can see a theme where like, it's stuff that I've loved for a really long time, but mm -hmm. never got around to doing and then finally doing it. And really like for with drag it was almost finding the courage to do it because, you know, like I had internalized homophobia or like internalized whatever, like ideas of gender roles because of, I guess, the way that I was brought up, like, you know, Asian, very traditional ideals. And so I guess like expressing femininity or like any of that just felt, what did it feel like? It felt, I, I was just scared of it, even though like it was an aspect of myself that had always been there. And then so finally getting over that and just like doing it, like it was just very freeing. Yeah. I just want to say, I also stalked your drag Instagram and it is, <laughs> no, it's like so surreal and it, your makeup is just so incredible. I was blown away. I was literally Thank blown you. I was just like, that that person is on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> if he isn't, I don't know what's going on. Like I, she, oh she is, she is sassy. She's got like Eyes on fleek, eyebrows yeah. on fleek. Eyebrows up to here, like that's yeah. Pangolin's thing, you know? Yeah, the makeup and the craft was definitely my favorite part of mm -hmm. doing drag. Mm -hmm. Tell me, I want to know more about, is it Pangolin? Yeah, Pangolin. Pangolin. So Pangolin's your drag um, alter ego. Tell me mm -hmm. more about her. What's her character like? How did mm -hmm. you create her, um, I guess, her makeup to look like what it is today? Yeah, I have... I've always drawn and painted faces like all throughout high school, even like, you know, portraiture and photography, but portraiture in my art. And then I just had a vision of a face that I wanted to create. And I don't know if it was like a fully realized vision, but just something like I just wanted to exaggerate everything. And then, yeah, I don't know, like Pangolin's face just came about like, you know, it's like a meshing of my face plus exaggerated <laughs> features and whatever and I always say that um Pangolin's aesthetic is evil dowager stepmother Ooh, love that. <laughs> you know just like there's an imperious quality to it um there's regality a little bit but like you know a little bit aloof alluring and very always yeah always incorporating I guess like Asian influences mm -hmm. and I guess that really stems from like that the Asian period dramas that I grew up watching and I would watch with my family and you know they had just like these sumptuous like hair up to here and like amazing yeah. robes and like especially the women in those mm -hmm. dramas and I had always just been so drawn to that like imagery and Pangolin is I guess my way of exploring that which I didn't get to as a kid because mm -hmm. I was hiding 
parts of myself uh, to conform. She's a stunning queen, and I think you should be on RuPaul's Drag Race. Have <laughs> you, you so have much. you thought about like joining um, a drag show here in Canada locally, or oh perhaps gosh. like in LA for RuPaul's Drag Race further on down the line as like your next pursuits? I mean, you've already done the Great mm-hmm. Canadian Baking Show, so <laughs> now on to take, take it a step the- further. Yeah, so next thing, honestly, <laughs> the baking show is like the most wholesome experience out of all the like possible reality tv shows but it was already like so stressful and Mm. i don't think i could put myself through the physical torture Mm. of doing that because like those girls are in their corsets in their wigs like with duct tape and like course cinched to the nines in like eight inch heels it's an art for like six like 16 hours a day maybe right and like just it is very physically demanding I think Mm -hmm. um like for me like one at my like debut uh drag show where I was like kind of inducted I guess in the house of rice which is my um drag family in Vancouver house of all Asian drag queens or drag performers not just queens um Mm -hmm. in my like induction or like my debut performance like I wanted to look snatched obviously mm-hmm. so like I had my boyfriend pull like my corset as tight as possible and like I looked so good like ooh, like ooh. you know I was cinched <laughs> um but I also like couldn't breathe I got like abrasion scars on my body that like I still have <gasps> no. oh my gosh <laughs> from the corset and like uh, the shoes I wore were like literally eight inches tall I I was on my feet for like hours that night and when I got home and like finally finally took everything off like my toes had gone numb and they stayed numb oh for like three days <gasps> which I feel like is probably not so good for you it's not great <laughs> no but just imagine that times like a over billion. like yeah. a billion yeah. so yeah just I totally get the it physical yeah. the physicality of drag and like what those girls go through is just insane and yeah. like I only had a taste of what that was and I don't think I could do that yeah. yeah, I guess you have to be like on ball time and you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's a lot of pressure to, oh, yeah. to be on it. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I think just circling back to, you know, how you were overwhelmed and how, you know, that might create some stress as well. How do you create space and time for creativity? And how do you pursue your hobbies about feeling anxious and overwhelmed and stressed? How do you create that balance for yourself? Um, <laughs> I laugh because it's <laughs> I'm so stressed and so anxious all the time <laughs> it is like same a personality trait of mine yeah um <laughs> like the internal dialogue is always going and like not just you know on like a more casual basis but like I do have like have gone through struggles with like depression and anxiety like um and journey coming out of that and like finding finally admitting that I needed help and getting on the right medication and seeking help for that like was a really long journey that was intertwined with like the first half of my 20s basically um so yeah I guess anxiety is something that I've just learned to live with Mm -hmm. um you know I've learned techniques now to like for the longest time I didn't recognize that I was anxious I just thought that's how everyone felt you know like yeah. I thought everyone would get feel like they couldn't breathe or like they were having a heart attack um, every time that like something you know triggers that yeah. I just thought that's how people operated um, 
So it took re like recognizing anxiety and calling it for what it is for me to like fully grasp it. And then I don't say, I won't say conquer it because it is something that I still struggle with every day. It just, it's something that I learned to coexist with mm -hmm. and manage. Like, I don't know, like I have had people, I've shared a little bit, you know, about like my mental health journey and stuff on my social media. And I've had people reach out to say that like how much they appreciated that because on the outside they said that I appear like I am perfect or that everything comes so easy and I think everyone you know puts their best face on social media like whether it's intentionally or that like you know you only want to showcase your best work but it does create this facade of like oh everyone else is perfect because you see these perfect lives but what am I doing wrong yeah. Right. And then so I do try to stay conscious of that and just, I don't know, like show people that behind the curtain, like I'm just human, like I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm anxious all the time. I worry about everything. And it's just something that I deal with. And I'm trying to figure it out as much as everyone else is. Some people might be like a little bit concerned about the amount of effort that they put into developing these skills. Um, what would you encourage others to do in order to pursue those dreams and passions? Like, how can we be more bold? Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. How to be more bold in pursuing your passions? Um, I think, first of all, you have to not do it for anyone but yourself. For me, in pursuing all of my passions, the motivation was always intrinsic. Like, I wanted to get to the bottom of the rabbit hole and just figure things out. So you have to find the thing inside of you that drives this passion and, like, why you do something. Like, why you do the things that you do. Um, in terms of, like, being bold and pursuing passions, I think just, it's cliche, but, like, literally just doing it. Mm -hmm. it's always the hardest before you do something because you're dreaming like thinking of all the things that could go wrong like what if you fail what if you're not good at this blah 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 but like once you actually get immersed into doing something and like figuring it out I find that kind of all falls away if you and maybe that's a good sign like once you just just try it and if it gives you that like quiet moment where like this thing becomes the thing that you're hyper focused on maybe you're on the right path and like that is a hobby that or a passion or something that you can pursue like when it does quiet the world mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah no I, I I'm currently in the process of pursuing an old passion that I haven't mm. um I haven't looked into since I was pretty much a teenager so I'm I picking up sewing again um, cool. And so I, you know, at first I was just kind of like reserved and just kind of like, okay, let me just get back into it. And the moment that I started doing it again, you're totally right. I felt like, you know, I was in the zone and I think I spent like a full day. I, I went downstairs to my parents' basement and I was sewing from noon till like 8 PM. And I didn't even notice wow. the oh day gosh. go by. I didn't yeah. even notice the day go by. And I was like, wow. I was like, I go upstairs and, I, and my dad's like, do you want dinner? And I was like, 
what <laughs> isn't it like tea <laughs> <Wait>. time he's <laughs> like yeah you've been downstairs for like eight hours and i was like mm, mm. okay so definitely something yeah definitely <laughs> yeah, something that i can lose myself in like mm-hmm. isn't that the best feeling though yeah like mm-hmm. i think they call it flow state right where like um you are just like motivated by the one thing that you are doing and like it just becomes like everything falls away and you lose track of time and you're fully engrossed Mm -hmm. and I think like searching for that thing for yourself is really valuable because I don't know like I think I've read that like being like a couple of things contribute to being in a a flow state and it's like mastery of your domain Mm -hmm. um and constantly setting short term like really really short term goals achieving those goals Mm -hmm. and that just like drives you forward into achieving the next thing I guess and just yeah finding fulfillment in like the small things that take you to on a long journey I don't know if that makes any sense but yeah that makes a lot of sense (laughs) yeah if what I'm hearing you say is you know having these small little markers of your your progression in the hobby will help you like run the marathon basically totally exactly yeah yeah Yeah. just focusing like that makes no not doesn't make any sense but like it's just so hard when like your goal is so far off so set smaller goals to Mm -hmm. that you can achieve and like that you know once you cross something off the list or feel like you've accomplished something like that's a hit of dopamine right right there and that is literally is your brain's like reward path of like self-motivation and like it just reinforces itself and so like you want to work around that and take advantage of that and just like give yourself those constant hits of dopamine and reinforce what you're doing into your behavior I guess yeah and I was just going to ask what if um, just to our listeners out there, if mm-hmm. they feel discouraged from doing something or if they realize that, you know, they're trying to follow their passions and it, they don't quite succeed in it. What are like, what are some things that they can do to either pursue it or, or like, mm-hmm. what are some, some things that, um, or tips that you can provide to them, I guess, if they feel discouraged from like continuing on with their passions, if, if it doesn't mm-hmm. really succeed for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess for me, again, it circles back to why are you doing this thing? You know, if you set those extrinsic goals of like, oh, I need to do do photography on Instagram because I want 10,000 followers, that isn't an actual reward because as humans, once we've achieved something, that just becomes the new normal. And yeah. like, it's a, it's a quick hit of like feeling good and then it just dies back down, mm-hmm. right? And so- What I'm trying to say is in order to get over, I guess, failures and setbacks, Mm -hmm. always have sharp focus why you want to do that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I actually have something to add mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. Uh Um, When um, so I I work for a coaching company and I'm also going through like a coaching program at the moment. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, something that my coach told me when you know, what we're doing in our program or like in our contract is I have a bunch of goals I want to achieve. And he helps me find the blockers and remove them from my view so that I can just Mm. go steamroll to those goals. Right. Mm -hmm. And something he always says, because I'm, I very much like those people 
will want to achieve those goals, but then I'll always be like, oh, but this is going to happen. And so I'm not going to pursue it. Or I'm going to like put it on the back burner because I know like this is, I'm going to fail. Like if I get to this point, right. Mm -hmm. I, I let the, the fear of failure get in my way. And so one of the things he said is think of failure or think of any moment of failure as a pivot, right? Mm -hmm. Think of it as a learning opportunity. Think of it as a, a space for you to sit with, this is what I did. This is what I did wrong. What mm -hmm. can I do differently to get to the same place? And I think that that's something that is so important for a lot of people to hear mm -hmm. because I think very much like you mentioned before about like this performative being that people are on social media, you see the successes, you see mm -hmm. the highlight reel, right? We talked a little bit about this Annika in our self-awareness episode. We, where did. we talked about yeah. like, you know, our, our online self versus like who we really are. And for every single person that's on social media, that's talking about their successes, they've probably had a zillion failures that they've never even talked about. Totally. Yeah. And the fact is everyone fails and you're going to fail hard, especially, mm -hmm. especially at the things you care about and kind of reframing that thought of failure is like the be all end all. It's just a point for me to pivot. It's just another hurdle to get over. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then like, it totally ties back into what we were talking about, about like reframing your respo response to anxiety. It's mm -hmm. just reframing what failure means and like you said it's a chance to pivot it's a chance to reevaluate what you are doing learn from that and correct course or set off on a new course and yeah. that is really cool yeah I, I again like something to keep in mind that I will take with me yeah um, it's just change your mindset forwards. about things yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so as we're kind of wrapping things up I'm curious Sheldon Mm -hmm. What are you working on now? Like, what's new with you? <laughs> what is new with me? Um, I am still baking a lot, creating recipes. That's kind of like the number one thing that like just gives me so much joy is like creating recipes and sharing that food with people and like inspiring them and seeing people make my food. Like it's mm. feels so good to yeah. know that, I don't know, I helped enable someone to have a moment of joy through food um so I just I want to do more of that I am working to get into video content I think that's the wow, next thing for Sheldon's Sheldon kitchen nice. um so making some videos and like you know again like drawing from my competencies in the past which is photography parlaying that a little bit and shifting it into videography and then adding that that back onto what I'm good at in baking so again like overlapping things that you're good at and adapting them into new avenues um yeah. so yeah I think that will be happening in the next few months and I'm excited but nervous I haven't really started yet um I'm moving at the end of this month and oh wow so once I am settled like yeah that's like what I think what I'm going to be attempting next that's so, <laughs> that's exciting. so exciting also um to your point about sharing recipes, please share them to us. I would love to like bake and like learn more, learn more about your recipes and, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to like do them. 
he has a <laughs> amazing Hainanese chicken rice recipe. On oh my his, gosh, say less. Yes, and that's literally one of Annika's favorite dishes. Oh my, um, god. Oh my god, I'm from Singapore, <laughs> so I miss Hainanese chicken rice so much. I've been looking for a good <laughs> yep. place, and you know, there's Mamalies, there's um the Hawker. Oh, know, Hawker's Delight. Hawker's, Hawker's Delight, Delight on Main Street. Yeah, they're good, yeah. but like, yeah, they're. It's like, like no missing something, you know. No one's chicken hits the spot in the city. Yeah, like that's what yeah. I found. The rice is never right, and also the like chili sauce that they serve is never right. Mm-hmm, that's like true. the orange chili sauce they serve. Yeah, yeah. and like it's I, not like garlicky enough, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, sure, like part of it is because we don't have calamansi here, um, but there are things you can do to like like tweak it so I really based my recipe on like my recollection of eating in hawker centers because I mm-hmm. have um lived in Malaysia for oh my god same I used to live in Malaysia yeah. where did you live in Malaysia I was in KL for um, I was in KL too oh my oh. gosh well technically I was in PJ actually um oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I so I, I like fell in love with the food and mm. yeah I do like weaving a lot of like my memories and like things that I'm passionate about into the recipes that I'm creating and I draw a lot from like nostalgia and the things that I love and yeah the Hainanese chicken rice recipe was definitely a culmination of the foods that I ate in Malaysia and Singapore. So Sheldon uh, where can people actually find you on social media Mm -hmm. of across all of your different many varied um hobbies that you do shameless plug time um, shameless plug time um my main social media at the moment is at sheldo's kitchen on instagram and that is where i am sharing you know the recipes that i'm creating food photography behind the scenes um of recipe testing and food stories that i love and I don't know, like how to do food photography and make your food look good. Just a whole bunch of stuff that I'm passionate about. I'm sharing on that platform right now. So yeah, I would, if you know, you, anyone is interested in that, please give Sheldo's Kitchen a follow on Instagram. And I would love to connect with you there. Wait, what about your drag one too? <laughs> I'm so <laughs> my drag one. <laughs> All of that is kind of linked in the bio of Sheldon's oh, okay. Kitchen. So awesome. with my drag one, it's at Chinese Pangolin. Um, my photography, which I haven't like act- actively posted in like two years now, but you can see my fashion photography. At, um, the handle is at Sheldon. Like I was lucky enough to get just at Sheldon, which is pretty cool. Oh, what? Yeah. Wow, so crazy. at Sheldon's Kitchen, at Chinese Pangolin, and at Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sheldon, for coming on the show. I am so, so happy to be able to like reconnect with you. Um, and I'm so, so proud of you. It's so great to like, I know I messaged you a billion times over Instagram being like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. Like, woo, Star Baker. Like, I was just so excited for you. And I'm so, so stoked for our, our listeners to hear you and your story in our upcoming season. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.